had to have the, thorn, the crown of thorns. He had to shed his blood. He had to die. And that's why when Jesus says, it is finished, he was saying, Father, I've done my part. It's now over to you. You know, when Jesus said it is finished and he gave up his spirit and he died, that meant there was nothing more that Jesus could do. It was over to the Father. Not, it was up to the Father to raise him from the dead. And when he was raised from the dead, the Father gave him a name that was above every other name and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And now Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He has fulfilled everything that he has to do and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father making sure that the Father fulfills his part of the bargain. We read about it last week in Hebrews. We'll read it again just a moment before we get in. Hebrews chapter 8. And verse 6. It says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. So when Jesus died on the cross, he did everything that he could do. It is finished. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. There's nothing more I can do. Father, it's over to you. Father, raised him from the dead, brought him back to his right hand, and now Jesus is mediating between the Father and you. That's why Jesus says, in my name, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he says, I'll do it for you. Why? Because of the new covenant. Because he's sitting at the Father. Every time Brian comes to the Father and says, Father, heal me, Jesus says, you must do it because you've made a contract with me. You see, this covenant has got nothing to do with Brian and God. It's everything to do with Jesus and the Father. This new covenant has got nothing to do with who I am or what I've done. It's got everything to do with what Jesus is, who he is and what he's done. You see, the biggest mistake that we do as Christians is we always look at ourselves, we always look at who we are, and we always look at what we can do or what we have done. And that either brings condom, that always brings condemnation and guilt. But it's not about Brian, it's about Jesus. It's about who Jesus is, and it's about what he did on the cross, and it's about the covenant between Jesus and the Father, and Brian just enters into it by faith. Simple faith. My faith makes me righteous. I, keep, I say it every week, but again, I'll keep saying it. We need to get over ourselves. We need to stop taking ourselves so serious because it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And it's just by simply believing in the finished work of the cross, this new covenant that we have. Hallelujah. So whenever we take communion and, we, and it goes on to say that, you know, Jesus says that this is my blood, the new covenant that was shed for many. We are remembering about the new covenant. We're not remembering about the old covenant. We're remembering about the new covenant that we have in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So this morning, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17. So always remember, when you come to the Father, He must do it for you. Whatever you ask the Father in the name of Jesus, he must do it. The Father must heal you. The Father must provide for you. The Father must protect you. The Father must lead you and guide you. The Father must give you eternal life. The Father must baptize you in the Holy Ghost. The Father must give you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The Father must do everything that the Word of God says in your life, not because of you, but because of what Jesus did. And you know, when we're talking about a contract, there is the contract. 
Everything that is in this is, is belongs to you. Every promise in this word belongs to you. Every promise in this Bible must be fulfilled in your life because of what Jesus did, because of the covenant that Jesus made with the Father. Jesus is mediator and he wants to see this manifesting in our lives. But it'll only manifest if you walk by faith. If you believe what this word says about your life and walk by faith, every promise will happen in your life, not because of you, but because of Jesus. Hey, the father has no choice in the matter. Because he's not going to go against Jesus. He's not going to, go, uh, he's not going to uh, reverse the promise that he made to his son Jesus. He's a God who cannot lie. He's a God who does not change. And he's a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he's promised to his son, he will fulfill it in your life as long as you walk by faith. Because you and I are in Christ. We are crucified with Christ. We are dead in Christ. Sorry, we're dead in Christ. We're alive in Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'll say it again. We're alive in Christ. I want to make sure. We're alive in Christ. Don't say amen to the first one. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, even in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of the light. So, you know, when we come to, to take communion this morning, it's Jesus Christ who qualifies you to take this this morning. He qualifies us. I cannot qualify myself to take communion. It's only Christ and what he did that qualifies me to take communion. Hallelujah. And it's only by faith. So, communion. The word communion is known as the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. It is also known as the Eucharist, Thanksgiving. There's all these words that different churches use, but if you hear me saying communion, Lord's table, Lord's supper, it all means the same. Amen? Depending on what your background is. But communion, Lord's table, it's the same. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17 to 34. I'm going to read it. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What do you not have? What do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
For he eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would ju judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, and we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. Hallelujah. You know, before we can actually get into this here, we need to fully understand the, the context of this passage of Scripture because this passage of Scripture has been used and abused for, for the wrong reasons for so many years in the body of Christ where it's been used to bring condemnation and guilt and shame upon righteous, born-again, redeemed, washed in the blood of the Lamb, children of God who have come to church and this scripture has been used to make them feel guilty and make them feel condemned. And it's been taken totally out of context. Because the context of this here is to do with the Corinthian church at that particular time who were coming to, they were coming together. There was poor, there were slaves, and there were rich people. And when they were coming together, before the Lord's table in the early church, they always had what they call a gappy feast or love feast. So when they come together as a church, they always had a feast. They always had uh, a dinner, a feast, a meal together and had fellowship together. It was, a, it was a, a, an act of fellowship and love for one another, coming together and blessing one another and, and having a feast together. And then after the feast then, they would come and have the Lord's table. But as we read here, there was so many the rich people were coming together there was, and they were eating a big feed and they were leaving the poor out. Now imagine if we were coming together and this half had no food and this half had loads of food. So this half here was feasting away and filling their face with loads of lovely food and these ones over here were sitting going, hey, I'm starving. <laughs> and these ones over here and then there was another section and they were baiting the wine into them and they were getting drunk. And they're getting drunk and they're drinking, and they're drinking, drinking and eating and being merry, and you know, and the other, and there was division. Paul's saying here, there's division among you. They were coming with a, a wrong attitude. They were coming in a, in a, a non-defensive manner. There were there was divisions. There was there was rap, uh, ripped apart with, with because there was poor and there was rich, and the rich were shaming the poor. Like is that is that is that shaming someone? You know, if you come together. And one half is eating away and showing off and the other half's got absolutely nothing. Is that bringing shame to your brothers and sisters? Does that not go totally against, you know, the Christian faith? What we believe in? That how could, we, how could I sit and feed my face in front of another brother or sister who's sitting starving, who's got nothing? Some of these people were poor, some of them were slaves, and some were rich. And they were coming to the table drunk. So whenever it came after, after the meal, then they were still drunk, coming to the Lord's table drunk, coming to the Lord's table in division, coming with the wrong attitude, coming not, not discerning the Lord's body, coming and not even th thinking about the Lord at all. They were just doing it out of religion or out of a ritualistic uh, idea of just coming and thinking, well, this is what we do every week. But really... It was totally wrong. So the context of this has got, you know, there's something about the Western world. The Western world has westernized communion. 
<laughs> just like it westernizes everything. You know, the way we do communion today has got there's very little resemblance to the way it was done back in the early church. I mean, if we want to do communion properly, let's come together every Sunday and have a big feast. Let's have a big meal. And then after having a big meal, <laughs> then we'll have the Lord's table. And then after the Lord's table, then we can get into worship and blah, blah, blah. You know, so, you know, if we're going to do it, if we're, if we're saying it has to be done in a certain way, then let's do it exactly the way it is in the Bible. But that's, you see, it's not about how we do it. It's about our hearts. It's about the attitude of our hearts. So the context of this was written to the Corinthian church who were getting drunk and who were in division. Now, the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When it's written to the Corinthian church, it's written to the whole church. But I don't think we're a church who's drunk, do we? I don't, see it. I don't think we're a church who, 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 who's in division the way the poor and the rich were. I think, you know, we mightn't be completely perfect in our unity, but I think our unity is a lot better than what we're talking about here in the, in the, in the Corinthian church. I don't see anybody drunk right now. So when Paul was talking about coming before the Lord's table, you know, this is the context that he was talking about. Hallelujah. But how many times has people come to the Lord's table and they've heard about these scriptures? In, in first, or, uh, first Corinthians chapter 11, where it says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself, so, that, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You see, <clears throat> Paul was trying, what Paul was saying here was, guys, let's get back to the reason why we're doing communion. They had totally forgotten the whole meaning of it. They had totally forgotten that this was an audience of the Lord. The, the, the proper meaning and purpose behind communion had gone out the window. And he was saying, guys, let's get back to what it's, what it's really about because they were coming drunk and they were coming in an unworthy manner. But you see, this unworthiness has got nothing to do with Bran. My worthiness has got everything to do with Jesus. It's Jesus who makes me worthy. Hallelujah. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. First of all, Jesus was saying, Jesus was giving the Father thanks for his own body. Because this body that he was giving thanks for was a body that was going to die for all the sins of the world. And this body, he was giving the Father thanks for his own body, that this body was going to be broken and it was going to bring healing to so many people, his own body. Hallelujah. See, this, the bread isn't the actual body of Christ, and I don't believe there's anybody in here believes that, but there's people who believe it, that this bread is the actual body of Christ. But if it was the actual body of Christ, how could Christ himself in his own body give thanks for it? Because he, 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 he did this before he died. So it's not the actual body of Christ. It's not the actual blood of Christ. It's a symbol. It, it's a symbol of his body and of his blood. Amen. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You see, in the book of Luke and in the book of Matthew, when it's recorded about Jesus Christ, 
uh, doing, doing the, the, the supper, the last supper with his disciples, that they actually did that after the Passover meal. Because if you read about it, in the, if you want to turn to the book of Luke, Chapter 22 and verse 17, it says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup Sorry, I should have started from verse 15. I'll start from verse 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So they were having the Passover meal. And then after the Passover meal, they were going to have, they, they, he broke bread and he gave thanks. And they took the cup after the Passover meal. You see, the Passover meal, as we know, was... In the book of in Exodus chapter 12, whenever God made a covenant with Moses and the children of Israel, God says that, you know, you get a lamb, you, you slew the lamb and you use the blood on your doorposts. And he says, when you put the blood on your doorposts, you get into your house, he says, I will pass over your house and you'll be saved. And so God told them to have a Passover meal to remember this every year. Isn't it amazing that every time God does a covenant, here there's like a there's a remembrance. God is in the remembrance. God wants us to remember. So the, the children of Israel had to remember the Passover every year with a meal, with a supper. So Jesus was having the Passover meal, and when he finished the Passover meal, he says, This is why he said, This is the new covenant. He was saying, This old Passover meal is being done away with. You no longer have to take over the Passover meal. This is the new meal. This is the new celebration. This new blood, this bread that represents my body and this blood that represents the new covenant. The old covenant is being done away with and the new covenant is coming. He says, when I suffer, when I die, there's a new covenant coming. You're going to be no longer under the old law, but you're going to be under grace. The old ritualistic, religious Passover meal is being done away with. And I'm bringing you into a new covenant and you're going to remember this new covenant of grace and you're no longer under law but this grace that's coming when I die. Amen? So, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So even us today, every time we take this communion together as a body, it's to remember that we're no longer under the old law. We're not under law. None of us are under law. We're under grace. That when we come to this new covenant, this communion, 
we're coming under grace. We're coming totally forgiven, set free, and we're coming worthy to partake of it because of grace and not because of the law. Amen? This is a, a new covenant that, you see, you can imagine the, the, these disciples that for years they were brought up in, under the old law. It was ingrained in them. Now, some of us may not have been ingrained with the old law, but these guys were ingrained with the old law. I'm not, think how much and how much they would have needed their minds renewed, how, much, how hard it would have been for them to grasp. For, they, for all their lives, they've been told this is the way it's done. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, but hey, this is the new covenant. This is being done away with. And this is now the new way of doing it. This is what you've got to do when you have a, this is how you remember me. Every time you do this, you're remembering me. You're remembering the new covenant. You're remembering my death. You're remembering everything that I've done for you. So every time they remembered him, the old was being faded away. The old was being taken away and the new was being renewed in their minds. You see, every time you take this and you remember what Jesus did, your mind's being renewed. You're being remembered. It's being ingrained in you of this new covenant of grace. A new covenant that there's no, therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. A new covenant that you're totally, utterly forgiven once and for all. A new covenant that there's, there's healing and there's provision and it's all been provided for you because of Jesus and what he did on the cross. Hallelujah. And it's all by faith. You know, if you're ever, ever feeling down, if you're ever feeling poor, if you're ever feeling sick, if you're ever feeling lonely, if you're ever feeling lost, the best thing to do is have communion. Come to the table and start to remember the new covenant. Start to remember what Jesus did. You see, for too long, people have been told to come to the Lord's table and look at yourself. Remember yourself. Remember your sins. Remember, this has got nothing to do with your relationship with Jesus Christ, how good or how bad it is. You know, you're, you're told to come to church and, and look over your last, from the last time you communion, what was your relationship like? How many times did you sin? It's got nothing to do with that. Or else you're putting yourself straight under the old law. The moment you start uh, looking at how many times you sinned over the last week, sure, why don't you just hit yourself around the head with the Ten Commandments? Because the law is the strength of sin, isn't it? It's the law that condemns. It's the law that tells you you're guilty. Um, are you guilty this morning? Because you've been justified. Justified means declared not guilty. So how can you be guilty if you're in Christ? How can you be condemned by the law when you're no longer under the law? How can you be told to go into your life and look at how many times you've sinned and make sure, oh, what happens if I forget one? Some people don't take communion because they're afraid of maybe the forgotten one that they can't remember. So they've, they've asked for forgiveness for, for, for 50 sins, but they think there's one more and I can't remember it, so maybe I'd be better off just to pass this by because I'm not worthy. Has that, can anybody identify with that? Oh, so you, you begin to think then that you can perfect yourself with the law? You begin to think you can perfect yourself in the flesh? You begin to think that you can make yourself right? Where does the Bible say that you make yourself right? It's only Christ that makes you right. You can't make yourself right. Do you know what that is? That's pride. 
That's pride. The devil has deceived us and the devil has twisted the whole meaning of communion. People feeling guilty and shamed, not even feeling worthy to be able to take the Lord's table. It's there, this is a celebration. This, this is there to be enjoyed, to be remembered, and to be celebrated. Lord, have mercy for anybody in Christ who feels that they're not worthy. Anybody who feels that they cannot take this this morning, if you're in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We read in, in Hebrews chapter 8 where, where, where God says that uh, he'll make a new covenant. He says that I will be, he says he'll be merciful to their own righteousness and he will forget their sins no more or remember their sins no more. God remembers your sins no more. There's no more guilt on your unrighteousness. It's been dealt with by Jesus. Jesus dealt with it once and for all. Believe it, see it, and walk in it, and feel worthy, feel special. You're special, you're worthy, you're righteous in Christ Jesus. But don't take yourself too serious because it's not just Jesus. Hallelujah. You see, there's so, sometimes you see that's good. You receive all that. But you see, some, somewhere down the line, we can go over the, there's a line where you can cross over that becomes pride, arrogance, and you think then all of a sudden that you are the man or the woman and that you can do this and you can do that. No, it's all about Jesus. Amen. Stay in Jesus, remain in Jesus, and know that you can do nothing without Jesus, and know that it's His grace and His grace only that is sufficient. And it's His grace that allows you to take communion. It's His grace that allows you to be forgiven. It's your grace that allows, His grace that allows you to worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's His grace that allows you to come into this church today and enjoy His presence. It's all about Him, Him, Him. His grace, His grace, His grace, His grace, His grace. Don't complicate it. It's as simple as A, B, C. You put your faith in Jesus. You put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross and know that God has got a covenant with Jesus and that everything that the Bible says will happen in your life, not because of you or because of what you've done, but because of Jesus and because of what He done. Receive it by faith. Receive, 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 receive it all. It's all yours. Everything in this Bible belongs to you. It's your inheritance. Everything is yours. You don't have to wait till you're saved a certain length of time. You don't need to wait till you, you get enough knowledge. You don't have to wait till you go to the Bible school. You don't have to wait till you're in a position. You just receive it when you receive Christ. It's all yours. All of it. There's one thing about this, uh, the old covenant or the old Passover. Do you know that no Jew was allowed to take the Passover unless they were circumcised? Unless you were circumcised, you could not take the Passover meal. But isn't it amazing that it's the same as us today, born-again believers? We are not allowed to take this unless you're born again. You see, we are circumcised in Christ. Have a look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. Colossians chapter 2, 11 says, In him 
you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Hallelujah. In the old covenant, physically you had to be circumcised before you could take the Passover. But praise God, in this new covenant, you don't need to be physically circumcised. We're spiritually circumcised in Christ Jesus. And because we're spiritually circumcised and we're in Christ, we qualify to take this communion. Hallelujah. So you need to be born again for the Lord's table. It's not for anybody. It's only for the circumcised. It's only for the children of God. It's only for the redeemed. It's only for, for those who have been forgiven. It's only for those who have received the grace of God into their lives. If you haven't received grace, if you haven't received Jesus, if you have not been redeemed, if you have not been forgiven, if you have not turned your life around and repented and given your life to Jesus Christ, you cannot take the Lord's table. That one you cannot move on. Hallelujah. That one is solid. You cannot partake of this. That's when you partake of an unworthy manner. But if you're in Christ this morning, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are in right standing. You are worthy this morning to take this. Don't let anybody, any devil, nobody tell you differently. If you're in Christ, you can receive it. Hallelujah. Also, there's no legalistic rule until on when or how many times we should take communion. In the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, it says that the, the, the apostles met together on the first day of every week to remember the Lord. Praise God. But it doesn't mean that we have to do it every week. If, you know, Because what happens is that how many people are taking this out of a ritual? There's no power in it if you're doing it because everybody else is doing it. There's no power in it if you're doing it because it's just what the church does. There's no power in it if you're just doing it out of a ritual. If we're doing it out of a ritual, we may as well just forget about it. We've got to do it. There's power in it when we come together as the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Christ being the head. Come together in unity. Come together in faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross. And there's power in it. Hallelujah. You know, because it's, because it's been westernized and it's been done the way the western church is, if we don't do it the way the western church wants it to be done, then people get offended. You get legalistic religious people because it's not done the way they think it should be done, then they get offended. But yet it's not done this, it wasn't done this way in the early church, it was done totally different. Or unless it's done in a certain way or a certain day or whatever, People get offended. You can do this every day. You can do this at home. You can do this with your wife. You can do this with your friends. You can do this anytime, any place, anywhere. It doesn't have to be in church. Because it's a personal thing. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that a minister or a pastor has got to do this with the congregation. Nowhere. But yet we do it that way. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that a pastor has to stand up in front of a congregation and do it this way. No, it's done. We can all come to my house and we can all do it together. We can all go to your house. Sounds better. <laughs> and we can do it in your house. And we can break bread and have communion. Do you know, wouldn't that be nice, in fact, you know, as a church, you know, to invite one another to, to each other's houses? I mean, when's the last time you invited somebody to your house? 
You know, this is something I was actually going to talk tomorrow night at the leadership meeting, but I think I'm going to just talk it to the church as well. Do you know that we have people from Belfast who travel here every Sunday? People who serve the Lord from Belfast, people who serve the Lord from Lisbon, people who serve the Lord here far off distance, and they come here, serve, go home, and then have to come back again. Wouldn't it be nice that as, as a church that we could take turns and in maybe inviting these people to our homes for lunch? and letting them rest at our homes so that they don't have to travel from Belfast and from Lisbon. Wouldn't that be nice? How hard is it to, to bring a couple of people to your home once a, once a couple of months or once a three months? And not only that, but you get to know that person, you get to have fellowship with that person, and then you can have communion after your, after your lunch. Wouldn't that be good? Are we, if we truly love each other, if we're truly a family, if we truly are the body of Christ and we're truly in unity, surely we can do that. Surely we can invite people who are traveling afar off saying, listen, would you like to come to my house today for lunch rather than you traveling the way home and coming back? If that person says it's okay, I enjoy going home, that's fine. But maybe they'll turn around and say, yeah, that would be really nice. Hallelujah. Praise God. First Corinthians chapter 11. I'm almost finished. Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So every time we take this cup, we're announcing the Lord. We're announcing Him. We're, we're proclaiming the Lord. We're announcing the Lord. We're announcing and proclaiming what He did for us on the cross. We're announcing and proclaiming the new covenant. We're, we're, we're celebrating about this new covenant. We're, we're, we're reminding ourselves about the new covenant. We're reminding ourselves of the benefits that we have in this new covenant. We're reminding ourselves of, of the good things that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Verse 27 says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let him on examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That's the real scurry one. That's, that, that's read out. And people freak out and think, Oh my goodness, if I, if I haven't, for, if I haven't have, have repented of one of my sins, I could die. If I haven't repented of one of my sins, I could get sick. Do you honestly think that Jesus Christ was going to die on the cross for you and go through all what he went through so that you are going to die when, he takes, when you take the bread and wine? But yet, people are made to feel, feel that way and believe that. But put it into context. We had people coming to the Lord's table, pie-eyed, drunk, they were coming drunk. Have you ever come to the Lord's table drunk? Out of their heads? You see, the only way, really, if you come by faith in believing what Jesus did in his redemptive work, in his forgiveness, you're worthy. Do you know if you, see if you come to this table this morning feeling condemned and not putting faith in the fact that you're already forgiven? If you come not putting faith in the fact that you're already healed, if you come in the fact 
by faith and not believing what Jesus, that what Jesus done is enough, that's, that's actually worse. That's actually worse than someone coming who maybe sinned last night and coming and, and asking God for forgiveness and saying, God, forgive me, and putting faith in that. Put the faith in the forgiveness. Put the faith in what Jesus did. Put the faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Does that mean you just go out and do whatever you want? No. But don't be condemned for the next two weeks. Don't be condemned for the next two weeks that you can't take communion. No, put faith in the fact that once you repent, once you ask for forgiveness, you are forgiven. That the blood of Jesus Christ covers all that. That you're forgiven past, present, and future. And that you are worthy. You are worthy simply because you have faith in Jesus. The moment you think you're not worthy is the moment you come out of faith. You're actually not putting faith in Jesus. If you're sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know if I can take that this morning, you're actually not in faith. You're not in faith. But the moment you say, I am worthy because of Jesus, bang, you're straight into faith. You're putting the faith in God. You're putting the faith in that new covenant in the blood, and you're worthy. Believing makes you worthy. Simple. Just like believing makes you righteous, believing makes you worthy. Believing makes you healed. Believing makes you blessed. Simple. Believing, having faith in what the Word of God says. Do you believe in Jesus this morning? Do you believe that Jesus makes you worthy? We're going to ask the praise and worship. Ask yourself, is your faith in yourself or is it in Jesus? Because if you think you're unworthy this morning, you're putting faith in yourself instead of putting faith in Jesus. What is your faith in? Is it in yourself or is it in Jesus? Is it in what you've done or is it in what Jesus done? That's the question. Because if it's in Jesus, you're worthy. Are you coming here this morning under the law or under grace? Because if you're feeling condemned and unworthy, you're under the law. But if you're feeling worthy and righteous, you're under grace. Luke chapter 22. Verse 17. The the Corinthian church came to the Lord's table willy-nilly, drunk, in division. We're not drunk and we're not in division this morning. We're united in Christ. We are the body of Christ. We're sober. We're discerning the Lord's table. We're remembering what Jesus done this morning. We're in faith this morning. We're here in church by faith. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Your faith is in Christ. You cannot feel condemned this morning. You cannot feel guilty this morning. It's impossible as long as you remain in faith. Luke chapter 22, can I just ask the servers to come? This is a time of remembrance and celebration of what Jesus did. This is a time to remember that 
you're not condemned. This is a time to remember that you're not guilty. This is a time to remember that you are healed. This is a time to remember that you are forgiven. Man, there should be a rejoicing in your heart. There should be a, a, a such joy right now, not, not feeling down and feeling can or can't they? No, you should be full of joy. Man, if you sinned last night, you should have more joy in your heart than the person who didn't. If you, sin, if you think that your sins is, is making you guilty and, and not worthy, man, you're the person who should be rejoicing even more because of this new covenant. Not putting yourself down, but you should be lifting yourself up now in the Lord and saying, wow, what grace, what forgiveness, what a covenant that I, that I have in Christ Jesus that today, even though I've done that terrible thing, God forgive me, I am forgiven, I am worthy, I am righteous, I'm going to celebrate, I'm going to give God praise, I'm going to give Him glory that He makes me worthy. just want you to take the bread and the wine and keep it in your hand. I am loved by the 
self-righteous people Jesus came for those who are lost and those who are in need this is for people who are in need man the more on whatever way you want to look at it the more ungooder you are the more you need this this morning the more the more you need to rejoice that you can actually come and partake of this and remember what Jesus did how many times in churches does it's all the good it's all the goody goodies who feel that they're right they can take it and all and there's a there's a section who feel they never feel good enough there's a section who never feel worthy enough and feel condemned and guilty and it's the same people week in week out week in week out those are the very people that need to be lifted up and told that they're worthy and that they need this more than anybody hallelujah we all need it because I ain't perfect either it's only Jesus that makes me perfect Luke chapter 22 and verse 17. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's just take the bread right now. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Father, we just thank you right now that because of Jesus and what he did, Lord, that you've taken us out of darkness. You've taken us out of the Mary clay. You've taken us out of guilt and shame and condemnation and you've set us upon the rock. You've set us up beside Jesus. Lord, that we can come to you at any time, any place, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of this new covenant, Lord. Lord, that we should never feel down, condemned, downtrodden, guilty or ashamed. But Lord, that we should feel free, liberated, righteous in Christ, healed, delivered, set free. Lord, that in, we are special in your eyes because we are your children and because you love us so much that you want the best for us. You want to protect us and lead us and guide us because of this new covenant, you cannot go back on it. You cannot reverse it. No matter what happens, all the other covenants that you made in the Old Testament, Lord, they were made with animals, goats, bulls, sheep. It was their blood. But this is a, a better covenant established on better promises through your son, Jesus Christ, that you may come in an agreement with him before the foundation of the world, that he is mediating between us and you right now, and it cannot be changed. What a great salvation. What a great new covenant that we can partake in and be part of. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the position that we have in Christ. Thank you for who we are in Christ. Thank you for what we can do in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.